This is the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your virtual design guide to help you and your family have a healthy, beautiful landscape with less work. What's up and welcome to episode 12 of the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. Thanks for being here, guys. Today, I'm super psyched for another great show. And today, we're going to be talking about weed problems and what to do about them. Everybody's got weeds, right? We uh, we all have these frustrations with our plants in our yard. And uh, today, I want to just address uh, more about these weeds and what we can do about them. Uh, before that, uh, I just want to say, you know, I'm super excited to be here uh, with you guys, and I hope you're enjoying this show so far. If you haven't already, uh, check out uh, iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe so you can get the future shows. And also, if you haven't left a review yet, I would love it if you went to your favorite player and left a review, an honest review about how you feel about the show, and uh, give it a rating a review. Uh, these really help out, uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. Um, man, it's a beautiful day today. It's uh, <laughs> it's cold. I'm not usually a fan of the cold, but uh, hey, it's warmer than than a typical uh, day in uh, you know late winter, early spring. And um, man, man, it's windy. I'm just watching right now as I'm recording. I'm looking out the window and and watching the wind just kind of buffet everything right now it's a pretty windy day today uh, we're going through a cold front so it's kind of just interesting to watch uh, how uh, you know everything reacts with the wind uh, so anyway let's get into the show today and start talking about the weeds and the weed problems we have you know right now if you're listening to this right after this show comes out uh, you're going to be listening to this before we really get into the big growing season and that's when, you know, these weeds really start to become a problem. Maybe when we get to, you know, at least in the northern uh, climates here, uh, you know, maybe April, May is when really things start to pop up and germinate, start growing like crazy. And uh, that's when we start to have some of our issues. If you're down south, you know, you might be already right in the middle of stuff uh, dealing with a lot of these problems. So uh, if that's the case, I really hope this show is helpful for you today, you know, starting today. And if not, uh, I hope you guys, uh, you know, keep this stuff in mind as we move forward with our growing season. So before we get into really dealing with uh, weeds, I want to just touch on a few things. The first is that this show, I'm not going to sit here and rattle off, you know, a 250 different types of weeds and how to identify them. Uh, you know, that for one would be probably a pretty boring show even for me. And uh, secondly, um, you know, there's it's just so hard to... to um, not somewhat generalize uh, a show like this. Uh, I try not to get too deep into specific plants with this show for a reason. I'm not trying to just deliberately always be a generalist, but I want this show to to reach as many of you as possible, you know, across multiple regions. And it's just so hard to talk about plants, uh, what plants to plant. Um, you will have some of those shows, you know, I, I might do some for specific regions or specific climate types or specific soils. I have a few shows like that in mind. Um, but early, you know, we're only on episode 12 here and, and really early, I want to give stuff, uh, that's valuable to, to anybody that comes by the show and wants to save time on their landscape. So these are the, the fundamentals. And so today, uh, the same thing goes where we're not going to be talking about specific weeds. I'll, I'll list a few examples and, and most of these are pretty broadly applicable to most climates, not, uh, not some of the extreme climates, but, um, uh, for the most part, 
they're, they're just to give an example of what we're talking about here. So today what we're going to be talking about more so is, is what, what do we, why do they grow where they're growing and how can you kind of turn this on its head to be an advantage for you? And so instead of having a, uh, weeds be a problem, they actually indicate how you can solve the problem and, uh, and, and have a healthier landscape. And so that's really what I want to teach you today. And, um, before we get into that, um, I want to just talk about what is a weed, right? When we talk about weeds, usually we're talking about something like a dandelion, right? That's a that's a weed that's uh, found pretty much all the way across North America, and even from the native versus non-native standpoint, it's a it's an exotic. So um, some people consider weeds exotic plants, right? Uh, other people consider weeds just um, something they don't want growing in their lawn. Um, other people uh, consider weeds plants that are just difficult to remove. Whatever it is, today what we're talking about is a weed is is a plant that is simply the wrong plant in the wrong place. So maybe there's a place for a plant, uh, this plant somewhere else, but when it comes to your landscape, you don't want it there. And so how do you take care of that? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is the wrong plant in the wrong place. And maybe for a different habitat, maybe in a wild setting, uh, it's the right plant for the right place. Um, but for your landscape, you don't want it there. I understand that, you know, it's a design landscape. You want it to look a certain way and, and maybe having this plant there uh, looks unkempt or is just undesirable culturally. Uh, so dandelion is actually a great example of that is, is where personally I actually find dandelions pretty pleasant and I actually don't mind them. Uh, they, if, if you don't take care of a, a lawn or whatever, let it kind of go, uh, dandelions will start popping up around our area pretty quickly. And, um, and a lot, you know, love them or not, people hate the the plant, and uh, it's seen as as uh, kind of a almost like a cultural stigma. If you have dandelions in your landscape, you're not taking care of your yard. That's kind of the societal uh, pressure we have. And so, regardless of whether or not I personally like the plant, uh, you know, we don't have them in our lawn too much. They're they're here and there, but not pervasive. And and part of that's because I'm married. And uh, secondly, you know, it's it's something that our it actually helps our neighbor relationships, um, believe it or not, by by not having so many weeds in our landscape. So uh, today we're going to be talking about just whether or not you like these plants. Um, you don't want them in a specific space. And so how do we deal with that, right? How do we f- take care of that? And some of these solutions that I'm talking about today, they're more of like a long-term uh, process, uh, but they'll get you to where you need to be eventually at least. And uh, some of them are, you know, a more extreme more uh, short-term process, and uh, generally speaking, there's more work involved with that too, and it, it might be a, a, a ongoing work thing if, if that's the route you choose, um, whereas the long-term process, maybe if you do both, you know, it, that gives you what you want, but the long-term process is generally kind of setting up a, a space or a system that doesn't uh, favor the conditions that the weed prefers in the first place. Okay, so when it comes to weeds... Uh, generally what they're doing, actually, I just want to give you kind of a little background here is, is even though it's a, the wrong plant in the wrong place, what they're doing for the most, uh, most often is, is one of two things. First, uh, they're either repairing the soil. So if you have, um, 
a degraded landscape. Maybe you're not even aware of this, but but maybe your lawn is kind of, you know, maybe your lawn looks kind of scraggly or whatever, um, and you don't have tons of nutrients there is usually what that's an indication of. And so these weeds pop up to, to actually from a biological standpoint or a nature standpoint, their role in nature is to actually build soil. And they're the very first kind of colonizers of bare soil. So when you have um, erosion happening in the, in nature, you know, let's take pe- people out of the picture for a while. So you have somewhere there, there's erosion or you suddenly have exposed soil, say a landslide or something, right? Well, these colonizer weeds, these colonizer plants, they actually come in and, and pull up nutrients and trap nutrients and they and some of them actually pull nutrients out of the the mineral form so out of tiny little grains of sand or whatever and and some of these plants actually do really amazing things and uh and they perform different services in the natural ecosystems unfortunately for your landscape uh they they're not as always the uh the pretty plant or they don't grow the right height or um, they don't have the right color or maybe they're uncomfortable to walk on. Um, whatever it is, uh, these plants in nature, they don't have maybe the same spot in our yard. And so, um, it's just good to know though, what they're about and, uh, that in nature, they actually have function as repairing the soil. So they might be telling you a story and we'll get into that later. Secondly, if, if plants aren't there, if the weeds aren't there actually repairing the soil, often the second um, reason they're there is that they're taking advantage of unused resources. So maybe you do have uh, somewhat healthy soil, but uh, the, the weed is there for a reason. And so if you think about it, there are tons and tons of seeds just sitting in, in uh, your soil, your dirt, uh, throughout your yard. And given the right opportunity those seeds that could just lay dormant for sometimes there's some seeds that actually lay dormant for centuries, but most seeds we're talking about here, maybe, you know, several years or so, and they're waiting for the, the right opportunity to germinate. So it, it waits for the right conditions to start growing. And when those conditions occur, that plant will start growing and take over, uh, a, a specific space and and utilize specific resources. So examples of this could be uh, light. So once a seed uh, kind of feels light, so when it, when a surface becomes exposed that previously wasn't exposed, uh, that can be a trigger for certain seeds. Or it could be moisture, or it could be temperature, or a combination of of multiple things. Or it could be um, yeah. So I guess that's a, j- those are just some quick examples. Um, so. This, again, tells us a little uh, bit of a story about why the plant is there, which we'll get into again in a little bit. Uh, So when it comes to a general approach of how we deal with weeds uh, conventionally, uh, usually what we're talking about is either pulling the weeds. Um, I've done many, many weed pulling sessions uh, as a kid. And uh, uh, the second strategy, which is uh, more common, is, is spraying, right? So you have these instant kill uh, weed uh, sprayers. Uh, A lot of them are pretty convenient. So you have, you know, your bottle with your trigger spray and you can just walk around and and spray a dot on each plant that you don't want around your landscape. And they're highly convenient Um, and they have instant kill in the short term. And you also have your long lasting weed preventers. You know, you see these um, uh, in garden centers, the weed preventer sprays or whatever. You can even spray your whole lawn with these things, right? Um, and they have a residual long-term effect. So they actually stay in your landscape, uh, on your soil um, for a long time. 
And so that's nice and all. Unfortunately, these these have, I've kind of talked about it in previous episodes, uh, these do have long-term lasting effects on your landscape and, uh, and also long-term health effects for you and your family. So um, just one thing I'll touch upon with the landscape specifically is it, it damages the soil health. And so most times these weed killers, they, they also have negative effects on the soil microbiology, uh, which is uh, highly important to have uh, for healthy soil. So just things to consider uh, when you're using these uh, types of chemicals, even some of your organic chemicals. chemicals. I've mentioned uh, horticultural vinegar um, recently, and, and uh, even that can just, uh, it, essentially it's you know highly acidic. It can physically burn the soil uh, so much that it can kill some of the life in your soil too. So um, these things can be effective. I personally my family and I, we prefer to stay away from the synthetic chemicals. That's our preference. And that's, of course, my recommendation uh, for health reasons. But um, if you choose to use those, I would just caution to to try not to be dependent on those, especially the long-term prevention ones, because they can really um, have some, some wider spread effects and, and cause essentially a, like a dependency, like a drug dependency on these chemicals. And so you're continually having to do this year after year. And so what I prefer to do and what I recommend to do is, is to instead build your, your health of your landscape, your soil health, which will um, increase your plant health. And, and so actually reduce the amount of workload you have to do in the long term. Okay, so those are kind of like, you know, the conventional general approaches to weeds. Um, I want to kind of segue now into understanding why weeds are there in the first place. So I mentioned at the beginning of the show that uh, weeds often, you know, they're either filling a resource niche that's available. So like water, uh, sunlight, um, space, um, things like that, or nutrient availability, or they're um, trying to repair the landscape. They're plants that are adapted to repairing damaged spaces. So whatever it is, uh, it's important to understand these clues if we really want to try and uh, make our yard healthier to where it may not um, have as many weed problems. So I, I want to tell a short success story here before we really get into these tools. And and that's uh, our yard. So we haven't, uh, I've kind of mentioned this a little bit already, uh, that we haven't done a whole lot with our yard. So we've lived in this house that we live in right now for um, a little over five years, um, I guess going on, yeah, five and a half years or so. And during that time, we, we bought this, you know, it's like a project house, right? So there's tons of work that we needed to focus on just inside the house to make it even somewhere where we could walk inside and not cringe, right? So most of our focus over the past five years has been the interior of the house. And unfortunately, that means the landscape has uh, been... Uh, <laughs> not completely and utterly uh, disregarded, but it's had to take a back seat to a lot of the work we've done uh, on the physical uh, structure of our house. And so, and you know, on this, uh, along with that, we've also been raising our family. So whatever the excuse is, uh, our landscape hasn't really had as much attention as I would like to give it. And it doesn't have the beauty I would like it to have. So uh, fortunately for you guys, uh, I'll be taking you through that journey as we convert our landscape in the future uh, to uh, the, everything I'm talking about here, right? A low maintenance landscape that's beautiful and healthy and vibrant, a welcoming space. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, that's not the uh, status quo for us right now. And so uh, um, I'll be taking you through it as we start to shift our focus onto our landscape more. But um, one of the success stories with our landscape is is our lawn, actually. So I've had the chance to experiment 
with our lawn, uh, to my wife's chagrin sometimes. Uh, and what we inherited was, uh, this, you know, it was a pretty rough lawn to begin with. So it's, uh, a mixed vegetation lawn of, of mostly tall fescue. And, um, so it's these kind of, you know, it's a thicker grass. It's not super comfortable. It's pretty common for your contractor grade landscapes, around uh, around Ohio area and um, it's really durable grass it's real hardy um, and it doesn't require a lot of nutrient input so those are all advantages but uh, if left to go you know like any lawn um, uh, you can have some problems and so when we inherited our our house or when we purchased our house inherited the landscape along with it, um, it you know the the grass was probably almost a foot tall and uh, so it was in a lot of disrepair and and in tandem with that, it was it was full of a lot of these you know weeds. So I would say probably not quite fifty percent uh, weeds, but it was a lot you know very noticeable and, and uh, particularly dandelions, which I mentioned earlier. And um, and uh, so it, it took a lot of attention to try and take care of this lawn. Well, we didn't want to be sitting there treating our lawn. We didn't want to put put down a bunch of weed preventer stuff. And so I've I've basically taken a few measures to simply uh, change the growth habit of our lawn to something where it had advantages uh, the grass or gives grass the advantage and it disadvantages the uh, other plants. And so, so specifically what I did was I, I raised the height of my mower and I consistently mowed it at a higher um, height. So instead of the typical lawn where you see maybe a two-inch mowing, um, and if you let your grass grow and then cut it that short, you're actually severely damaging your grass plants in the, in the roots below it. Um, and so instead, I, I mowed this lawn higher, and it took, and you know, it's been over the course of five years now, but uh, mowing the lawn higher at, at about a four-inch plus height, I actually I, I, uh, get a rigged our mower to make it even uh, cut higher just to experiment with some different heights and see what happened. But but say uh, let's say four inches, right? So it's still a comfortable height to be able to walk on. And what it did is it was almost, you know, kind of magical, right? Uh, basically, the higher height of the grass cutting allowed me to cut less off between cuttings. It slows the growth of the grass because it's not struggling to grow full, enough foliage to um, photosynthesize it allows the roots to develop more strongly and and therefore the plant's healthier and at the same time you're also shading out the soil surface so you have fewer weeds germinating and growing and so so even within year one i saw a big difference in annual weed uh, production throughout the lawn and the longer term piece has been the perennial weeds so like your this is your uh, for for my area it's like things like plantain and dandelion those are two major ones so for the plantains and dandelions they're perennials and it's taken them a little bit longer to disappear but but it's it is much harder for them to struggle against that that four inch grass height and so we still get a beautiful lawn very green and very healthy but um uh does much better uh, with resilience against the weeds. So kind of a long story here, there, but but this is an example of, of how understanding the weeds and understanding the, the other plants in the specific space you're considering can really go a long way to preventing the problems in the first place. Okay, so uh, why are weeds there, right? Why are they present? So this piece, what we need to do is gather data about the specific weed and the specific location it's growing in the environmental conditions of the location and that helps us it 
uh, can really indicate a corrective action for the space. So we need to prevent the weeds from being able to grow there in the first place in the future. So what we're talking about here is taking care of the specific problem at hand, the weed, but also preventing uh, future problems, uh, similar problems from happening. Uh, so like I mentioned earlier, weeds may be telling you something. They may be indicating a problem or telling you a story uh, or giving you some clues. And so we kind of just have to open our minds to what they might be telling us. And I'll, I'll be honest here. Sometimes there's weeds that are just an absolute pain, right? No matter what you seem to do, you have problems with the, these weeds. And um, those are, you know, you kind of have to take that on a case-by-case basis. And uh, it can be really difficult. So uh, actually in a, a great example in our own landscape, is uh, wild garlic. And uh, I don't know if you've ever dealt with wild garlic or if you're, it grows in your climate, but uh, wild garlic has these bulbs, right? It's it's essentially garlic, but it's the wild form, right? It's uh, related to your, it's in the alliums. Uh, so it's your like your onions, your shallots, your garlic. Um, and so wild garlic has these bulbs and they can, they can stay in the soil for upwards of five years, uh, between um, germination, between growing their upper foliage, right? So these bulbs have incredible resilience to last a long time, uh, even after, uh, you know, they've been removed or whatever. So uh, it's really difficult to get rid of these things. And when they grow, as soon as they start growing, they're also generating new little bulblets. And if you leave any of those bulblets in the soil, they can grow into their own individual plants. So uh, we have this problem. I understand it. And and the other great, or not great, the other interesting thing too, is some of these plants are so hard to remove, even conventionally. So even with Roundup and things like that, it's, it's difficult to remove something like a, a garlic. So um, how do you deal with them? And, and again, these have to be taken on a case-by-case case basis, but a lot of times you're talking about physical pooling or the other option, uh, you know, kind of the bombshell options are um, physically smothering the location and uh, starting over fresh. And that's something you can do too. Unfortunately, sometimes these are a lot of work, especially if you have a widespread problem. But um, again, case-by-case basis, internet's our friend, right? So uh, back on topic here. So uh, yeah, sometimes weeds are just a pain, uh, but here's some of the details I'm talking about when we're talking about a specific weed. Uh, First, we understand, we want to understand what type of weed it is. What is it? Um, So we want to look up online. Uh, If you look up, just Google search uh, uh, whatever your state is and, um, and weeds, and or common weeds and you'll most likely find a a local university that provides a list of common weeds in your area or uh, your state as well Um, just the state government sometimes does it or even sometimes the local governments Um, so a lot of times there's these local resources put together to help you understand weeds uh, because they're also often a an an issue in agricultural settings too so there's a lot of overlap and a lot of places that provide information okay so understand what plant you have and what's its um, what location do you have it in? What are the conditions of your location? What's the growth pattern of your plant? Uh, is it a you know is it a shrub? Is it a herbaceous plant? Is it more like a low growing ground cover plant? So what's the growth pattern of it? What's its dispersal pattern? So does it spread by uh, root shoots, whether they're like stolons or rhizomes? Does it spread by the roots or um, does it spread by um, something else? Maybe it's a uh, seeds that blow through the wind, or maybe it's seeds that drop down right next to it. So understanding that pattern uh, is helpful in understanding the weed. 
uh, what's the uh, what's the growth um, life cycle of it? Is it an annual? Does it basically have a one-year life cycle? And then the next year, any similar plants you're having is a, a new seed coming from the previous parent of the previous year? Or is it a perennial, something that once it's growing, it's going to survive the dormant season and come back next year, uh, maybe year after year. Maybe it's a short-lived perennial or a long-lived perennial. So understanding this can be helpful too. Uh, what's the root structure? This is one of the most important pieces, uh, actually, for understanding uh, what the plant is trying to tell you. So the root structure, is it a is it like a fibrous root structure? Is it, you know, does it have a lot of little hairs on it that are basically um, pulling from a lot of different little spaces? Or is it a deep tap root that's kind of chiseling down in the soil? Um, these are both uh, helpful things to understand. Uh What's the moisture level of your space? What's the sun, the soil, those types of things? Uh, what's the final uh, mature height of the plant? Uh, okay, so now that we've thought about those details, I want to touch on the roots again. So the roots are, now we're at, trying to understand about the plant a little bit more. And the, the main thing I'm going to talk about here is the roots, okay? Uh, the roots the roots pattern, what it is a primary indicator of is your soil conditions. So there's definitely some overlap here, but if you have a predominant type of one type of weed, so like everything's a taproot, right? Or everything's a fibrous root. Uh, there's really that, you know, that gives you a really big indicator of your soil conditions. So for, for fibrous roots, these are usually an indicator of loose soil. So the plant is actually trying to hold and trap the soil in place and the nutrients that come along with it. It's because, uh, all these little fibrous roots, if you have uh, plenty of them, you know, they'll hold the soil intact and keep it from eroding away. Even raindrops can erode soil, believe it or not. If, it, if a raindrop directly hit uh, the soil, it, it has a massive erosive capacity over the course of a year with the, how many raindrops hit the soil. So these fibrous roots are trying to hold the soil together to prevent uh erosion and prevent the plant from becoming uprooted and uh, it's basically its own own little survival tactic so um, that's usually the indicator of if you have a lot of fibrous root plants um, they're trying to hold the nutrients in place if you have a lot of tap rooted plants these indicate dense compacted soil so uh, generally speaking too this could also indicate low organic matter so these plants are essentially with this deep tap root that can really chisel down into the soil this tough soil uh, it's trying to essentially mine nutrients and break through hard soil so it's actually secreting stuff that can dissolve minerals into a biological available biologically available form and it's at the same time it's also trying to penetrate the soil to access more nutrients more water and uh, and provide uh, basically a colonize uh, a disturbed space Okay, uh, when we're talking about plant type, it may re- indicate a resource availability or lack of availability. And specifically here, I guess uh, two quick examples. So for low nitrogen, for example, you're going to have a prevalence of nitrogen fixing uh, plants. And so this is, a, let's go back to the lawn the lawn example. So lawns used to be, uh, lawn seed mixes that you bought, uh, say, like about 80 years ago, they actually had clover as part of the lawn mix because... Uh, the lawn care uh, specialists that provided the seed mix, they knew that clover provided an important resource to help the the grass plants grow. Now, with the advent of herbicides, 
uh, specifically broadleaf herbicides that you can spray on your lawn, uh, it it unfortunately killed clover. So with the advent of these chemicals that made uh, things easier uh, to treat, um, they also killed the clover that was part of the grass mixes, so they were taken out. But uh, with a lawn, if if you're not treating your lawn, most likely you'll start to see clover pop up in your lawn. And this is specifically the case with our yard as well. We have little patches of clover here and there, and they're actually welcome into our landscape. But, um, But they're an example of where it's basically telling me that that my soil in my lawn that needs help does not have enough nitrogen to grow uh, the grass healthily enough to occupy that space. And so Clover comes in and says, well, I can still grow here and I can provide my own nitrogen uh, through my roots with uh, bacterial association. I'm getting too nerdy here, right? Uh, but uh, I think I talked about that in the last episode, actually, didn't I? Um, so, um, so Clover has this uh, ability to mine nitrogen from the air and provide it um to its to itself as a to be absorbed in the plant to build proteins and such so um things like clover and uh medic and bird's foot trefoil these are all three examples of nitrogen fixing plants that can grow in a space like a lawn and provide its own nitrogen supplements so um, it indicates a lack of nitrogen in your soil um another example is uh if we're talking about space, right? So plants, if there's too much space uh, uh, in, a, in a particular area and, and the soil is exposed, you'll you'll start to see plants, uh, particularly with creeping habits. So your ground cover type plants, your your um, grasses like your um, uh, like your crabgrass that uh, sends out little offshoots and that keep rooting up and uh, taking or taking root and, and spreading throughout. So you have these, or quack grass, right? A lot of these different weed grasses, that's how they, they'll spread through uh, spreading root patterns or spreading foliage across that, that anchor down. And so uh, these are examples where uh, you have too much space that's not occupied. And so the weed's going to take uh, advantage of that, right? There's resources there that it could use and it has the space, so it's going to start growing. Um, so it's important to understand, um, what type of, what type of plant you're talking about, because it it could indicate something like that. So when you're, um, just again, to touch upon when you're identifying your weeds, just check out Google and, um, usually you can find some resources there. Some are nicer than others. So find a good pictorial reference where you can kind of scroll through the plants in your area and see what looks similar to what you've got growing. If you're talking about like super young weeds, like, you know, things less than an inch tall that are uh, just starting out, it's unfortunately, it's really hard to identify a lot of those things. So uh, you might have to wait for it to get bigger if you really want to understand what you're dealing with. Okay, so uh, let's get into the solution phase, right? So uh, what to do What to do with these plants? Um, so hopefully you understand now what you need to do with uh, the clues that you've been given. Maybe you have too much open uh open soil. Maybe you're low on nitrogen. Maybe you're low on a different nutrient. Um, maybe you have uh, compacted soil, so you kind of you need to uh, do practices to decompact it. If there's one broad answer here, uh, it, this is a recurring theme throughout the show because it's such a, almost like a magical solution is, is increasing the organic matter of your soil and decreasing compaction. Um, is going to go such a long way to uh, fixing most of the problems you have. And so here again, if I were to paint one broad stroke, this would be the solution. So if, you, um, if you're if working to increase the health 
and nutrient availability in your in your topsoil, uh, especially with organic matter, um, you'll go a long way to um, increasing the health of your soil. And when I say organic matter, I mean things like like mulched up uh, leaf material, mulching your, making sure you're mulching your grass when you're mowing it, uh, providing uh, physical uh, wood mulch in certain areas, and um, as much basically organic matter, so your natural materials, your your um, your dead plant materials, right? Um, and, and compost as well can be a great way to do that because it, basically the process of composting, uh, which I think we'll be talking about in the next episode, um, the pro- or maybe it's a couple episodes away at least, um, but uh, the process of composting actually makes all these nutrients in organic matter. It breaks up, up down all those tough materials and makes it bioavailable to be picked up by, by plants and healthy organisms. So uh, great stuff as well. So, okay, so... When it comes to solutions, if you have major problems, we'll talk about those first. Okay, so when you're talking about major problems, the steps are basically uh, remove, cover, and refill, right? Okay, so um, before I get into the details of those, I want to also mention this is very similar to if you go back to episode 10 and listen to uh, that episode, which was how to start a new garden bed. I basically talked this process in much more detail. And uh, so this is if you have, you know, widespread um, issues and you need to just kind of kind of almost completely replace the uh, the landscape area with something brand new. So if you have a garden bed that's just totally over, overrun with weeds or uh, part of your lawn that's just totally um, gone crazy with weeds or whatever, this may be the tactic you need to do. So to not spend too much time on this, uh, you know, check out episode 10 for sure if you want to go to into more detail here. And uh, I'll have a link in the show notes for that as well. Uh, but first, uh, the removal steps. So here we're talking about uh, mowing and um so if anything's gone to seed, I highly recommend uh, bagging, you know, mowing and bagging. So getting as much seed material out of there to prevent especially the annual weeds from germinating in the future. Um, that'll go a long way to kind of breaking the life cycle of a lot of these weeds. Now your perennial weeds might be a bit more difficult to deal with, but the annual weed issue, uh, bagging at the right time when the seeds uh, you know, if you've, if they've already gone to seed, getting those seed heads out of there as quickly as possible and um, and making sure you get rid of them uh, is, is a good thing. And now, if you have like kind of like an abandoned space, um, you can use it as a mulch there. If you're going to be covering up uh, something with a... a a heavy cover like um like a cardboard or something if you're putting down like a cardboard covering and mulching over the top of it you can you can use this this stuff you bagged and mowed up um just to make sure that the seeds aren't going to have the opportunity to germinate so they don't get enough air they don't get enough light exposure to start germinating they don't get their normal indicators to germinate um so if you don't have that uh maybe you um, have like a a waste pile or whatever uh, that you can put it into um but uh just make sure you get it out of that space okay so then um some some people if you prefer like kind of you know the chemical free process you can do tilling over multiple times to kind of break up the roots um and uh this usually requires over a couple weeks where you have to repeat again and what this does is it kind of 
runs the plants out of energy. So any seeds that are there, they'll germinate, and then you till it up again, and it kills them. Uh, any roots are there, they're kind of struggling to grow back, and it kind of kills them again. So you have to do this over a car- course of a couple weeks, and so it, there is a certain lo- amount of work here, but it does work. Um, you could also cover the area, right? So just completely smother it. I prefer not to use something like a weed control fabric unless I know for sure that that I don't want anything growing there in the future. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, basically, if you know you don't want anything growing in there, uh, in most of the space, you can use something like a weed control fabric. Know that it doesn't last forever, um, and you want to make sure it always stays covered because a lot of times these things will degrade with UV light. Um, and you have to get a good high quality one or it's just not worth it. Um, or you can do like a temporary uh, barrier that'll last maybe a year or so. Like, and this is where I kind of mentioned cardboard or whatever. It's a, um, in the organic um, agriculture area, it's pretty popular to use something like uh, uh, cardboard to kind of establish a new space. So you put down uh, any vegetative material under it like stuff containing weed seeds potentially and you put cardboard and then you put uh, several layers of say compost and things that don't have weeds on top of them uh, and then followed by mulch so you're really covering up the space and and then you can plant into you have to dig you know down through the cardboard uh, to plant then but uh after about a year or so that that stuff will start to degrade and then your plants can begin spreading throughout okay so after covering you can also do spraying so there are, of course, your typical synthetic chemical routes, uh, as well as your your more friendly organic routes. Uh, but again, spraying can, you know, it has its drawbacks. If you go to the synthetic chemicals, usually they're very effective if you're using the right one for the right space. But you're also, uh, you have uh, potential health effects for you and your landscape as well. Uh, and the organic ones, uh, generally speaking, you're, you're losing effectiveness. Um, and so you might have to do multiple treatments. Okay. Um, the, the last thing I, I just want to say again, make sure you remove that seed material or you're covering up uh, both the seed material and the root material. So that's very important. Okay, when it talks about, uh, so the next piece I mentioned, so first was remove, then cover, then refill. So for covering, what I'm talking about here is reducing bare soil spots that allow weeds to germinate and grow. So if you're thinking about a typical garden bed, usually... Um, you have your plants, there, there's some space between them, and usually there's some mulch maybe, but even with that mulch there, it's usually not thick enough and uh, not enough of a barrier to prevent your weeds from growing. So you got to make sure you have a good thick mulch uh, mulch that you're putting down and know that you're going to have to replace mulch uh, on uh, kind of annually or semi-annually as the lower layers start to degrade now the nice thing about mulch if you're buying a good non-treated mulch and non-dyed mulch that it will continue to feed your landscape and continue to build fertility uh, over the long term which is really great but you also need to keep adding your mulch to um, prevent weeds from germinating there and starting to grow through it Okay, so uh, mulching is one option. Uh, next is planting. So you could plant uh, cover plants or just plant more densely to where you don't have as many open spaces, and this can be very effective. And uh, usually a combination of both is uh, the most effective thing to do. So thinking about, okay, where do I need to put mulch in? Where do I need to put plants in? And where do I need to, uh, um, how closely and how thick and uh, densely do I need to do both? 
Okay, so uh, the last piece here is refill. So um, after you've removed everything, you need to replace with desired plants. And these desired plants, um, think back to the weed that you took care of and, uh, and hopefully got rid of, right? What was its growth habit? Recall those growth habits and select a plant that will thrive in that space. It maybe has a similar root pattern or um, has similar nutrient needs or provides its own nutrients in the same way that the weed did. Uh, so basically you're, you're considering the niche uh, this is getting into the biology space, right? But consider the niche that the plant filled, right? What was its uh, service to that space? And and then pick a plant that maybe has a similar service or occupies a similar niche. Okay, now as a last resort with these big, you know, with these this large scale problem stuff, uh, you can consider amending your conditions and or and or increasing your fertility. So an example here is, say you have a lawn that's just full of dandelions, right? Well, if you amend the pH to something that's a little better for grass and a little worse for dandelions, uh, odds are those dandelions will start to struggle. Struggle. Um, and similarly, increasing fertility usually is uh, disadvantageous to most uh, of your typical weeds and advantageous to the, uh, uh, generally speaking, the desired plants. So, of course, this is a broad generalization, but uh, a lot of times it goes a long way to helping. Because, again, a lot of times your undesirable weeds are the ones that are growing in uh, compacted, disturbed areas, or your if you're in a sandy location in your your disturbed areas that are uh, full of erosion and don't have much soil. So that's why adding or uh, fertility, especially through organic matter, uh, can really go a long way to helping. Okay, so for more specific problems, uh, it's very similar, but just on a more specific, uh, you know, a localized area. So um, here we can talk about uh, physical removal as being an option. Uh, so, you know, just pulling a few weeds here and there. If you're talking about say less than 100 weeds, right? It might be easier just to pull them all and then to fix the problem as opposed to taking a more uh, extreme means measure. Um, You can also spot spray, right, if you're into the spraying. Um, And then you amend to change the local conditions if needed. And you notice I I mentioned this piece uh, earlier than the last resort piece of amending conditions with larger scale problems. That's because on the small scale, it's, it's pretty easy to amend conditions as long as, of course, you're not uh, doing something here that you're going to need to do on a recurring basis and providing extra work for you. If this is something you can kind of add to help out now, uh, so like some topsoil or whatever that might help the conditions uh, overall, it might not be something you have to do long term as you in- ensure as long as you ensure that you can maintain that condition. So like with the topsoil or compost, as long as you can continue to provide organic matter that'll break down there and uh, and kind of self fertilize itself. Um, Okay, so with uh, amending local conditions, also think about uh, preventing erosion, adding fertility, like I mentioned, uh, covering with mulch, and um, and those things can all be ways uh, that you can change these local conditions. Now, of course, like earlier, you want to replace with desired plants uh, with the same kind of considerations of what did the weed do, and uh, can I put in a desired plant in that space that maybe uh, replaces that function or does a better job at at, uh, what the weed did. And uh, of course, the last thing here I want to mention with with any weed issues is you want to fill the space fully to prevent future weeds. Uh, Most often weeds are there 
they're there because there's an opportunity or a space, right? And they're taking advantage of an opportunity that you left there for them. So take away the opportunity and you'll take away the weed problem. Okay. So that pretty much wraps up uh, what I wanted to talk about today with the weeds. And I hope you come away now with uh, a better understanding of why the weeds there in the first place, right? It's not just this, you know, they don't have like a, a, a sentient mind, right? To sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to annoy this guy so bad. I'm going to start growing right on, right in his front yard where it's going to drive him crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, or, or I'm going to be this, uh, this spike. You know what? <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I, w- I want to be this. I, I can't even remember what they're called now. The, the burr, the spiky burr one that, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm just going to grow right where this, this girl's going to step on him without her flip flops on and, and, uh, you know, stick her foot that you know what i'm talking about the are they like the sand birds or whatever that i was just so glad in our uh, area we don't really have these um but man some places uh you know you guys have some tough weeds to deal with i get it and so weeds can be really annoying even not just to look at but sometimes you know there are these prickly things and stuff that are just a pain so um i get it and you know there's ways we could take care of these and and again uh going through this process will help take care of a lot of your weed problems that you're going to have. Um, so if you guys are interested in, in saving time with your landscape and you haven't already done so, I strongly suggest you go over to, um, aestheticecosystems.com slash 27 hours. And there you'll find a, a free resource I've put together on, uh, just some simple habit changes you can do uh, with your how you treat your landscape, and it'll save you 27 hours of, of work over the growing season. So it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't already done so. Um, and again, this you know they're just simple habit changes, so it's no investment on your part, and, and uh, it really gives you some time back. And that's that's what I want to teach you guys is sometimes these things are just like a little change in mindset or a little change in your habits, and it can go a long way to making a difference in your life. And uh, is also, you know, if, if you guys have some specific help, specifically uh, with the weeds, right, or with a design questions or whatever, um, I offer consult consulting. So you can go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash consulting, and there you'll see the different options for my consultation services. So definitely check it out if you're something, it's something you want to consider. And, uh, you know, I, before we wrap up today, too, I just want to talk about a few more things. And that's First of all, thank you guys so much for listening. You know, this it means a really, really means a whole lot uh, for those of you that are listening uh, to be to be following me, to be subscribing, and for that I'm very thankful. And uh, with that too, you know, I really want to provide a show that's valuable to you, uh, to you, all of my listeners, right? And so. I would love to hear your feedback. If you have any feedback, uh, you can go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash pogs. And there, right on that page, there's a feedback form. Uh, it, you know, it's a, a Q&A um, question form, but it, it'll give me feedback as well. Uh, so if you guys have any specific feedback, I'd love to hear it. Or you have um, thoughts on show topics for the future uh, as well. Um, just let me know. Kind of drop me a note there. Let me know your questions. Let me know your feedback, what topics you want. Or, or you know, Ben, you really need to stop doing this on the show or whatever. Just uh, I'd love to hear it, you know. And so uh, head on over uh, aestheticecosystems.com slash pod and uh, drop me a note. All right. With that, guys, you know, I really enjoy you coming by today. Make sure you uh, check out the show notes. Um, 
I think the only thing I mentioned today was episode 10, uh, as well as uh, links for the uh, 27 hours guide and uh, any consultation services you might need. So check those out. Um, also, you know, go back on to your, uh, your listening device there, uh, whether it's your iPhone or whatever, and uh, click subscribe, guys. Uh, make sure you get, you know, the new shows dropped into your, right into your, uh, your uh, player there. Okay, now it's time to talk about the launch party, guys. Uh, excuse me, not party, but party. Uh, the launch party is for the first two months of the show from March 11th through May 11th, 2018. I want to have some fun uh, to help spread a wor- spread the word about the show. Uh, I really appreciate your enthusiasm and interest in this show, and I want to get you guys involved and have some fun while we're doing it. So this is a chance to have some fun, to uh, for us to get connected, uh, to win some prizes, and And uh, let's talk about the prizes before we talk about what we're doing. So what are the prizes? Weekly, I'm offering a free consultation with me, Ben Hale, which is normally a $99 value. So uh, one person each week uh, that gets involved in the launch party uh, gets a free consultation. I'm also giving away a free offer for one of my eBooks, 10 Ways to Get More Beauty with Less Work, which is a $19 value. Uh, next, the grand prize. There is only one of these we're giving away through this whole launch party. So at the end of the launch party, the Organic Lawn Care Manual by Paul Tukey. So Paul Tukey himself has offered to give away one free book to a lucky winner uh, that's getting involved in this launch party. Uh, And this book is all about how to manage a healthy lawn from anything from a golf course style lawn to your uh, low maintenance lawn, which of course is something I prefer here on this show, right? I own this book. I've read this book multiple times. I've given it away. It's a kind of a a tattered and worn version that I have. Um, And uh, I, I, I use some of these practices in my own lawn. So I I love this book and I highly um, promote it as well. And you'll hear me talk about it throughout the show. Um, But Paul Tukey has been kind enough to offer a copy of his book as a grand prize. And there's also a special surprise for everybody that's... uh, going to be getting involved in the launch party. The Rolling River Nursery out of California has offered a, a special surprise for everybody that's involved. The Rolling River Nursery is a, a USDA certified organic nursery. So I went online and I looked around for nurseries that have online availability shipped through the continental US and have some great offerings. And Rolling River Nursery has been kind enough to become involved with our launch party. And they're not only are they online availability, but they also are certified organic, which means they don't use any harmful herbicides or pesticides that you have to be concerned with your family about. And so what you're getting is a safe and healthy plant. They also offer a ton of edible plants and trees and shrubs, cacti and succulents. So um, they offer several trees and shrubs that are adaptable throughout the most of the United States. So definitely worth checking them out. And in addition, these guys are also involved with a, uh, a nonprofit in Southern California to help local food movements called plantingjustice.org. So if you want to learn more about them, uh, you can go to rollingrivernursery.com. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, Paul Tukey's website, uh, for his organic lawn care manual and his other works is paultukey.com, P-A-U-L-T-U-K-E-Y. And uh, to sum up, guys, okay, you want to learn how to get involved with this uh, launch party? Go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash 
pod launch and that's p-o-d-l-a-u-n-c-h there's a link in the show notes um, and that's that's going to give you all the instructions on how to get involved uh, there's two ways specifically to get involved one is through uh, sharing with your uh, peeps on facebook and the other is through leaving a review on itunes both of these are going to help spread the word about the show and get other people other friends listening to it as well and i uh, sure appreciate your help here and and likewise uh, this is going to be a fun time so uh so go on over and to aesthetic ecosystems.com slash pod launch to get involved all right guys with that you know thanks for tuning in and make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today